welcome to another brand new edition of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we are talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes of the show go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. But I do release other reviews throughout the week, so the best way to stay up to date on episodes of the show other reviews, and a bunch of other stuff I'm talking the world of horror is to get subscribed to my link tree, which is linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. If you get subscribed to my link tree, that's going to give you access to all the videos I'm putting up on TikTok, my written reviews on Letterboxd, but most importantly, video versions of the show through YouTube and the audio-only versions of the show through your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date for when I'm dropping new stuff this past week folks i had a chance to talk satanic hispanics i've gotten a chance recently to talk the passenger gotten a chance to talk critters and folks february is going to be such a great month i got some good ones coming up for you including film i'm talking about today vampire in brooklyn we're gonna be talking death by temptation eve's bayou sugar hill lisa frankenstein uh warm bodies i got a lot of great stuff coming for y'all this month so Hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with everything I'm discussing in the world of horror. But let's jump right into things here, talking Vampire in Brooklyn. Now, Vampire in Brooklyn, I feel, is actually one of Wes Craven's more unappreciated, underappreciated films, honestly. I think Craven has a really, really good filmography put together. There are a lot of instant classics that are in there. And I think that Vampire in Brooklyn is honestly one that really gets overlooked more than it honestly should. If you've never seen it, tells the story of uh, Max, who is a vampire, or Maximilian, excuse me, who is a vampire from the Caribbean, who makes his way to Brooklyn to find the suitable mate for himself so he can repopulate the vampire race. And one of the things that stands out of, about Vampire in Brooklyn, both back then and now as well, is that even, I, even though I was so young, because I got to see Vampire in Brooklyn in theaters, I knew about Blackula. Okay, I had seen Bram Stoker's Dracula by that point, and I, while I hadn't seen Blackula at that point, I was aware of who Blackula was and that story and everything. And I think that Vampire in Brooklyn honestly gets a lot of the big disservices due to that film. I think a lot of people look at it as this is very clearly intended to be a parody or in the vein of Blackula. But I think the problem with that is that folks that'll say that have probably not actually gone and watched Blackula, which honestly is very much a, like, a, yeah, you could say it falls into the realm of black exploitation for sure, but Blackula is actually a, a kind of serious vampire film about a African, African prince who is turned into a vampire by Dracula and then like is trying to find his mate and yeah i mean that part about this vampire trying to find his mate in this new town is definitely something that vampire in brooklyn does but that's really about it everything else is kind of like a coincidence at that point i mean even max's accent which i think a lot of people are like, oh god like of course he has an accent he, he's from the caribbean the whole idea here because Vampire in Brooklyn very much is an adaptation of the second half of Bram Stoker's Dracula from when Dracula gets to Carfax Abbey. But the idea here is that, well, if, if like there's not going to be a lot of black European vampires. And Max kind of even talks about that, that, 
you know, vampires actually originated from Egypt, which I thought was cool as hell. And as a big fan of uh, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles and a big fan of Queen of the Dam, you know, that kind of caught my caught my uh, caught my ears there a little bit hearing that this time around. But Max explains that all the vampires basically fled uh, fled Egypt, and while some went to Transylvania, a lot of others went south. And that's basically how Max picked up this accent was that he spent so much time in the Caribbean. And, you know, we're hearing this story in New York and this story focuses around two New York detectives, uh, Rita and Justice, who are uh, currently in a will they or won't they kind of attraction with each other. And like like really great chemistry between the two but it's very clear that obviously neither one of them have kind of stepped over that threshold to really make it more than the friendship that they currently have but there's a lot of tension there for sure and max shows up and max is immediately in, infatuated with rita which rita's played by angela bassett of course you're going to be fascinated i mean girl looks the exact same in vampire brooklyn vampire in brooklyn that she did coming out of black, black panther 2 just you know a year or two ago at this point now black don't crack y'all i'm just saying i'm just saying but anyway you know, the story from here is Max trying to win Rita's affection, but he does it to where he has to use all these tricks to do it. And he's manipulating Rita throughout the entire film. Quite like it happens in a lot of these vampire stories that the vampire uses whatever tricks they have to win the love or the heart of this person that they're after. And it really made me curious to where, you know, Max actually genuinely wants Rita like it's not just a dominate uh, thing about world domination or anything like that he genuinely is interested in Rita and we know he's on a bit of a time crunch but if he didn't use all the tricks and stuff would Max be able to finesse Rita away from justice that's a real question that I have um and switching gears, something so fascinating about this movie is the fact that Charlie Murphy wrote this movie. That's right, Charlie Murphy wrote this movie, y'all. And he did it along with uh, Michael Lucker and Chris Parker. But some of the background about this movie is that, uh, you know, it's been said that this was originally just a horror film and that Max was not this redeemable character. Like he was just straight up very purposeful in his manipulations of Rita and just not having any good qualities about him. And you could see a lot of that in the movie, whether it's him posing as Pastor Polly or it's him as the criminal a little bit later on, or even after he's kind of set up this narrative about Justice possibly sleeping with Rita's roommate and basically making Rita choose like, hey, you have to actually now acknowledge, are you with this guy or not? There's a lot of gaslighting and manipulation from Max in this film. And it just stands out, especially knowing the way that Charlie Murphy had originally intended this script to be, because you could still see a lot of that in there. And Wes Craven wisely, you know, said that there should be more humor in the story and that we have to get a little bit more about Max because you just can't have him being bad to be bad. That's very easy in a story like this. And I agree, it does make Max a little bit more of a complicated character because from one hand, Max is the last vampire, and if he dies, that's it. So you don't you don't know how you feel about having all the vampires in the world leave, but his way of pursuing Rita is it's yucky, it's dirty, and especially in this day and age that we live in, it's hard not to notice a lot of the tricks that he gets to use.
Now, this film is hilarious, honestly. There are so many good jokes in it, and it's one of Eddie Murphy's best performances. And this is around the time where Eddie Murphy started, uh, like, it was before he started doing a lot of, like, the, the, the kind of cheesier ones that he got known for at the end of the 90s and the early 2000s. This is still around the time of, uh, right before The Nutty Professor and The Nutty Professor 2, where he was just dominating the box office. But... We are still getting fat suit Eddie Murphy as well, too. And honestly, I think his work as Pastor Polly here in this movie is much better than at least Nutty Professor 2. I'm a big fan of the original, of like, I say original, it's not. The first Nutty Professor film with Eddie Murphy. But hands down, much better than the work that was done in The Clumps. So just throw that out there if you watched it. Rewatch them sometime if you can. You'll very much notice a quality difference that's out there. Now... The film itself isn't that scary. I think Max's makeup as like his true vampire form, not just the fangs and the eyes. I think that's terrifying and that scared the hell out of me as a kid. Um, Nikki's death scene, that's Rita's roommate, her death scene, as well as when uh, Max finally bites Rita later on in the movie too. Uh, the use of the organs like after it happens and the blood dripping out of the keyhole. Again, absolutely terrifying as a kid. Craven can set up that atmosphere so perfectly. And there's even what I call a Craven shot in here uh, when Max is catching up to Rita and they do this, this over-the-shoulder shot where Max is kind of coming out of the smoke and it's the Freddy Krueger shot. It's so, so good. Craven shot the hell out of this. The movie is a lot of fun. It's bloody in the places where it needs to be. The cast is stacked. It is so such a good cast here, honestly, that, it, you know, I, it's hard to think that people sleep on this one so, so much. Is it one of the more violent or effective vampire thrillers out there that you'll see? Maybe not, but I do actually think this is one of Craven's top films that he has put out there. And without a doubt, it absolutely needs to be seen, y'all. This film is much better than the credit that it's honestly given to. And it's a perfect way for me to start taking a look back at some of the more influential films uh, between black history and horror this month. So go check it out. Let me know in the comments here what your thoughts are on Vampire in Brooklyn. That's going to do it for the review. In the month of January, I told y'all that I was doing a contest for a free digital copy of Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. And I'm here to announce our winner tonight, Angel Marley 2253 You have won a free digital copy of Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. So... I'm going to hit you up here, but if you hit me up, that makes it a little bit easier as well, too. You got a month to get back to me, and I will get you that digital copy of Thanksgiving. But also, folks, uh, we found out earlier today that Carl Weathers, a true legend in this business, has passed away. This man has entertained us for the last five decades and has put out some absolute classics, including Predator, Action Jackson, and, of course, the Rocky series as well, not to mention arrested development uh the guy is just an all-time inspiration and it sucks to lose a man like this so guys go on tonight go watch you something with carl weathers in it rest in power sir that's gonna do it for us tonight y'all thank you so much for tuning in make sure to be back next time my name is t we've been watching scary movies stay scared Hey everybody, looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. 
If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria Magazine subscriptions, as well as 20% off any other items in their fantastic shop. This is a great deal. If you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription, now is the time to do so. Head to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDEW.